Chapter Sixteen of the Queen of Appalachia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kualada. The Queen of Appalachia by Joe H. Borders. Chapter Sixteen. The Great Mystery Solved. Scarcely has Miss Arnold quitted the apartment before the door of the bedroom again swung noiselessly on its hinges, and Paul entered. I could wait no longer. How is she? He whispered, sleeping nicely. Come in, replied Bounty. You don't mean to tell me you have been here all night? Why didn't you call me, Bounty? The nurse just left Thornton. And the strange story she caught from the sleeper as she talked in her slumbers, has given us a clue which, if studiously analyzed, will go far towards solving the mystery. Give me the particulars," said he, his rather haggard-looking face becoming flushed with excitement. "Tell me quick! I am all impatience." Paul listened to the recital with remarkable serenity. Ever and anon, a smile of intelligence would flash across his face. Not a word that even suggests the name of her country," said Paul, meditating. "Absolutely nothing. Can it be possible that she was one of a party of foreign celebrities who invaded that out-of-the-way place, decoyed to this lonesome spot by her enemy, that jealous Angelina? Angelina." Repeated the late sleeper, rubbing her eyes and turning then towards the speaker, who speaks of Angelina. Do you know her, sweetheart? Assisting her, I once knew a lovely woman by that name, was her reply, arranging her costume the same that she had worn at the opera. Who did you, with all her loveliness, what you consider an unpardonable wrong? Suggested Brownley. But one that will be forgiven under certain conditions," added Paul. "I can forgive, yes, but forget, never," she spoke earnestly. "Then it is true, sweetheart. Your mind penetrates the past, and your surmise is well grounded, my good and faithful friend," she interrupted, falling upon her knees before him. "The past, with its pleasures." Its sunshine and its horror crowds my brain, and I shudder to think of the distress and grief of my dear friends at home. Tears filling her eyes, oh my angel mother, I know you are suffering. I know how your heart aches for your little girl. She sobbed. Come, cheer up, sweetheart," said Paul soothingly, lifting her from the floor and leading her to a sofa. You must not forget that you are surrounded by friends, and it will be the one great object of my life to restore you to that mother and to personally witness a grand transformation scene when sorrow and tears will be turned into joy unspeakable, and a cheerless home into paradise by your triumphal return. You give me great joy and peace of mind, Mister Thornton. A smile forcing its way into her face. 
God has been good to me by placing me in your kind hands, as well as those of your most faithful friend, Mr. Brownlee. I shall never forget your kindness. All things come to those who wait, repeated Brownlee, coming forward. We have patiently awaited this hour. We knew the change was coming. We knew that the clouded memory would become clear and bright, and you would be happy. We both feel, too, that with our help you will eventually be restored to your people. Thank you, Mr. Brownlee, and I am sure you will both be greatly surprised when you have learned my history. We have waited with eager expectation the story you have to tell us, said Paul. I would not be surprised, however, he added, a merry twinkle in his eyes, to learn that you dropped down from the skies. I have no doubt my appearance up in the scenic country of yours was puzzling enough to give you such an idea, she answered, laughing. Dressed as I was in the splendor of a queen, all alone, right in the middle of the stream. But let me relieve your anxiety. The sooner you know the facts, the sooner, with God's help, you will be able to restore to my people a ruler and to my mother her mourned for dead Olivet. Then your name is Olivet. Very pretty indeed, sweetheart. Yes, Olivet, Queen of the Appalachia. Appalachia, they both exclaimed in unison. Never heard of it, said Paul. Not on the map, surely, added Brownlee. I warned you I was going to surprise you, said the queen, enjoying their surprise. I give it up, said the man of learning. Then it isn't necessary for me to try, added Paul. No, my friend, Appalachia is unknown to the world, and no railroad nor other mode of transportation will take you to our isolated but magnificent kingdom. At this time I can but guess at the truth, and yet I am pretty sure that when Mr. Thornton touched the drowning form on that eventful day in Great Cumberland Mountains, he was as near the beautiful land of Appalachia as anyone has ever been, outside her own people. Then you give us to understand that Appalachia is an undiscovered country, said Brownlee, but that only adds to the mystery. You, her queen, speak our language, are well educated, and intelligently comprehend and make use of our customs, and yet belong to an unknown region. It was discovered by your own people, but let me tell you its history. I will be brief. That confounded gong exclaimed it brownly. I hadn't noticed the gong, spoke up Paul. I am awfully hungry, said Queen Olivet, and as my story will keep, let us postpone the recital until after breakfast. This proposition was agreed to. Although neither of the gentlemen had a craving appetite, and after a hasty toilet, they all went down to the dining hall. End of chapter 16 The Great Mystery Solved Recorded by Kualada